BibleStudyPodcast.org. My name is Justin, and uh, I'm the newest member of the team here. And I'm just so excited to be here with you guys, and uh, I'm so excited to to get to go through Bible study with you, and hopefully to learn along with you. Uh, I'm I'm pretty new at this whole podcasting deal as well, and so there may be some times where you may have to bear with me. I may make a mistake here or there, or may not be as clear as possible, but we'll go through it together, and we'll work hard to really get to where we can both understand what we're going through. and uh, And I'm just excited to be here with you, and I I hope that you are excited to be a part of this as well. First of all, I just want to go ahead and tell you that we're going to be journeying through the Gospel of John. We're going to go simply, but we're going to go clearly. So, you know, we'll we'll go through at a speed that we can handle, and if we need to slow down, we'll slow down. If we need to speed up, we can do that. But the main goal here is we want to make it so you all will be able to understand, so I will be able to understand what it is that the Gospel of John is trying to say. So, on that note, if if there are any questions that arise or any issues that you'd like to uh, address or like to know about, feel free to drop me an email. You can email me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. And I'll give you that email again at the end of the podcast. So just in case you have any questions or issues, feel free to just drop me an email and, and I'll try to get back to you in a, at least a day or two. And and uh, we may even address it on the program if if we need to. So feel free to get in contact with me but with that let's uh let's open with prayer our father we thank you for giving us the opportunity to meet together and study your word and lord we we just ask that you would help us to understand your word clearly and apply it to our lives as we grow to become more like your son it's in his name we pray amen okay with that let's begin our introduction to the book of john the gospel of john that is now Today's session is going to be mainly just an introductory session. We won't really get into the the meat of it, and we won't really get into the major verses until next time, but I felt it was kind of necessary to give a short introduction, a brief introduction for this podcast, so that we would kind of know where we're going and know where we're at. So with that, let's begin into this introduction. Throughout uh, church history, the Gospel of John has been held in very high esteem, such people as the third century Bible scholar Origen have said, The Gospels are the first fruits of all the scriptures, but of the Gospels, that of John is the first fruits. Alfred Plummer, a British biblical scholar from the early parts of the 1900s, claimed that John was a book which stands alone in Christian literature. And again, Jerome, the great Bible translator of church history, it says, John excels in the depths of divine mysteries. So it is this that we will seek to explore, this uh, grand piece of literature, this grand gospel, but more importantly, this grand argument. And we shall see what I'm talking about as we go through, but just keep that in mind as we begin to study. The first question, of course, is who wrote the book? Now, it would seem obvious, you know, we call it the Gospel of John, but you'll notice that the writer never actually identifies himself in the text. And I'd just like to go ahead and tell you that that's not an uncommon trait at all for for that period. Many times people would write a narrative or a story or even a biography and not really tell who they were, just write it and put it out there. So this is not uncommon at all, and we actually notice this with all four of the Gospels. So we start out by saying, who wrote John? Well, tradition has told us that John, the John that wrote the Gospel of John, was the son of Zebedee, one of the twelve disciples. 
that followed Jesus and were in his inner circle. In fact, the tradition has held this very strongly. Eusebius, the church historian from around A.D. 325, confirms this in his church history, as well as Irenaeus from A.D. 185, Tertullian from the 150s, Clement of Alexandria from 150 to 216, and even Origen, as we mentioned earlier, from 185 to 254. Many, many other church fathers also have agreed with this. So there's a good number of external sources that we can take to say John, the disciple, was the author of the Gospel of John. There's also a good amount of internal evidence that John the disciple wrote this book. As B.F. Westcott, who was a biblical scholar in the late 1800s, notes, there is very, very strong evidence to conclude that the writer was John. And he, he gives a chain of arguments to kind of tie it all together and show that John, the disciple, is the author. This first piece of the chain, if you will, is that the writer was a Jew. He seemed to know the Jewish traditions, and he seems to really feel no need to describe them. We, we just kind of see him put it out there that the Passover feast would be there, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Weeks, you know, all these kind of Jewish terms that a Jewish person would know, but someone else may not. He just throws out there and just says it as if it's commonplace. We know it happens. Next link in the chain is that it's a Jew of Palestine. That is, the region that the writer was from is that of Palestine. The reason uh, Westcott believes this is because he exhibits a strong knowledge, the writer exhibits a strong knowledge of local sites and events you probably only be privy to if you were from the area. You know, like, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and anyone that's from Charlotte could tell you a lot of history from Charlotte, but a newcomer may not. You know, I, I could tell you, for instance, that what is now the Cricket Arena was formerly the Charlotte Coliseum, but you know, if you just moved into there, you may not know that. You'd have to have someone to tell you that. Well, we have a lot of instances like this where the writer of John is, you know, just giving events and giving details about the events that, you know, someone normally wouldn't notice or even about the sites that someone might not notice, but if you were from there, you would know that kind of thing. So that's his second piece of evidence. His uh, third line in the chain was that the writer was an eyewitness to the things he described. This includes the fact that some of the events are recorded that only Peter, James, and John saw. See, Westcott believes that there is very much detail in what he describes, so much detail to the fact that only an eyewitness could have known. You know, only an eyewitness could have known what happened to Jesus when he was transfigured. Only an eyewitness could know specific details. And so, this is his fourth, his third layer of the chain, excuse me. Fourth level is that he was an apostle. Westcott believes that the, the writer writes things that only the apostle would have knowledge of and only an apostle would know. He claims in the next to the last verse of the gospel that he was a disciple whose word is true. Westcott sees that as saying he's claiming to be an apostle. And so Westcott concludes that the writer of the gospel must be the disciple John. Just for fairness sake, I, I think we should also note that liberal scholars today cast doubt on the idea of John the Disciple being the author, saying that verses which include first-person terms, like we, we went up to somewhere, or we left, they don't necessarily have to be from John the Disciple. They say that it could have been from anyone who followed Jesus, and in fact a lot of liberal scholars would have agreed with all of Westcott's arguments except for the last point, saying that they believe the writer probably was Jewish, probably was from Palestine, probably was an eyewitness, and, you know, 
maybe even followed along, but they don't necessarily say it was the disciple John. However, for, for our arguments and for the sake of what we're doing, we're fully justified in saying John the disciple was the author. Now, knowing that, what's the point in this book? What in the world would we study it for? Well, John actually states his purpose. And near the end of the book, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he writes, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So we can see from that verse there are really two purposes to this whole book. First, that the reader may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And second, that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's pretty clear what the purpose is. John has just laid out for us. As you read this, you should see that Jesus is the Son of God, and that if you believe that, you will have life in His name. It's really just a fascinating book, and and it's really just exciting to to think about that as the purpose. So, with that in mind, what are what are some of the themes? What are some of the characteristics that we can look for as we begin to go through this gospel? Well, the first thing we'll notice is how simple, yet how profound the book really is. Uh, biblical scholar D. Edmund Hebert has noted it is characterized the gospel of john that is is characterized by an amazing clarity which makes it attractive and intelligible to any beginner in the christian faith yet there are depths in it which even the most accomplished scholar after years of study is unable to plummet philip schaff uh, the great church historian has written many many books on church history also notes that john is as simple as a child and sublime as a seraph as gentle as a lamb and bold as an eagle as deep as the sea, and as high as the heavens. It's really just fascinating. We'll, we'll get into this as we go through it, but this is a book in which many times Christians, newer people who just become Christians, are often advised to read the Gospel of John. It's easier, it shows about love, it shows you all these different bits of theology that we need to know. But, despite its simplicity, there is a there's just a profundity about it that is just incredible. There, there are parts to the book of John which scholars just debate up and down that they really don't even know answers to. And, and we'll go through those. We'll, we'll point those out as we go through the text. But it's just so interesting to think of a book written so simply, yet there's, so high level, there's such a high level of theology and there's so much of a richness to it that people just don't know how to handle it well. And so we'll try our best, and we'll push through it at times, but we'll try our best to see if we can get a grasp of this as we go through. Of all the Gospels, though, John, when we talk about simplicity, we have to note that it has the fewest amount of different words, and most, in fact, most of the words they use are one or two syllables. There's not a, a great variety of different words that are used. They're just very simple, very direct terms, but those very direct terms helps to make the book clear, but it also gets us to think more and more, and we'll see as we go through there, but you'll notice it's just very easy to read, very, it flows very well, it's very well done, literally, or literary speaking. We'll also notice as we go through that there are no parables in John, and unlike the other Gospels, there are just a few signs, in fact, there are only seven miracles referred to in the whole book, which John calls signs. And most of the text is really dialogue. It's Jesus talking to disciples, Jesus talking in prayer, Jesus talking to 
people who are following, you know, others talking about Jesus. It it is very much of a conversation more than an exhaustive study of his life. And so we'll notice as we go through just the simplicity and the clarity, but the profound nature of the book. Another characteristic we'll we'll notice is that John specifically pushes the reality of Christ. We'll constantly be reminded how Christ was a physical man as well as God. We'll dwell into how this happens as we'll go into the study, and, and we'll really try to get a grasp of it. But just for now, know that we shall see that John makes it clear that Jesus was a real, literal man, not just a myth, not just an angel posing as a man, but an actual physical man and also God. Now, as we approach John, we really want to kind of talk just briefly about the themes we'll be running into. The major theme of John is belief. It's huge in the book of John. I mean, as we've already seen, the purpose is that the readers may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and in believing that may have life. And so we will constantly see this theme of belief being reiterated and played through over and over again throughout the book, and we'll really begin to see what it means to believe in Christ, what it means to actually follow Christ, what it takes to believe in Christ, what do you have to give, what do you have to expect, and and even more, why we should follow Christ. So we will constantly see a contrast between those who believe Christ and those who do not. We'll see how the Jewish leaders will be those who turn against Christ. They don't believe in Him, they reject Him, and we'll see how they're kind of juxtaposed against those who believe, those who follow. And uh, we'll constantly be pointing that out, but just know as we go into the book, know that this is a book about belief. Why should you believe? Why are we to do what we do as Christians? Why should we be a Christian, and what do we do once we're a Christian? How do we have life? So we're going to learn these things through this book. Another thing that I I think is fairly important in the book of John and is reiterated quite a bit is the theme of testifying or bearing witness. We'll see that uh, this is a very strong theme and is constantly mentioned throughout the gospel. And when John speaks of this, he's talking about when someone that is a credible source informs others of a fact or idea that he was able to see or to be a part of. So in other words, when we read that a person testifies or a person bears witness, what John is trying to tell us is this is a credible source who is telling us something that he was able to see or be a part of. And we'll see how this works out as we'll notice that people testify about Jesus. We'll notice that they testify both in a good light and a bad light. We'll see how Jesus testifies about the other members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. We'll see how he talks about what they do and what it is that is going on. And we'll see how Jesus testifies about the people around him. He'll tell us a little bit more about this issue of belief by testifying of those around us. We'll also notice in the Gospel of John how there's somewhat of a lack of similarity between it and the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often referred to as the synoptic Gospels because they give a very similar picture. In fact, sometimes even a word-for-word picture of certain events. Whereas John does not. John does not use the signs. John does not use the parables that the other Gospels do in describing Jesus. Now part of this is due to the fact that John's purpose, as we've already stated, is is to write so that those who read it may believe and have life. So he's not really concerned with giving an exhaustive study of the life of Christ, but rather he's 
concerned with presenting a case. Now, it's at this point we should make it clear, this is, does not mean that you can't trust the historicity of the book of John. That's not the case at all. It's just we have to realize that whenever one writes history, they write history for a purpose. And John's purpose in writing this bit of history was not just to inform us of all the the details and the little nuances of Jesus' life, but rather his goal and purpose of writing this gospel was to show us why we should follow Christ, how he is the Son of God, and what does it mean if we believe in him, and how does that translate into giving us life. So we'll notice that there's not really a lot of similarities. There are a few times where John also shares the same events of the synoptics and of the other gospels, but it's not really the goal of John. So we're not going to look into that too much. We're just going to realize that that's there. And finally, that that brings us to our conclusion today. Now, I know we're probably running a little bit shorter than usual, and hopefully we're going to try to stay within 15 or 20 minutes, Lord willing, if I can shut my mouth. But let me just say that I hope this introduction will help us as we prepare to enter into the Gospel of John. This is a tough book, but a simple book. You know, as we've noted, it's profound, but simple. So it's something that we can approach, we can listen to, we can learn, and we can learn who it is that we follow as Christians. We can learn what does it mean to believe in Christ? Why should we do it? We will again and again be confronted with this issue of why should you follow Christ? Are you prepared to follow Christ? What does it mean to believe in Him? What does it mean to have life? And so, as we look into this book, as we look into this gospel, we are really looking for the way of the Master. We are really looking to learn more about the Christ that we serve. As Doremus Almi Hayes once noted, John is the chief of the gospels, and one can understand it only by reclining in the bosom of Jesus. That's our goal. That's where we're heading. So, with that in mind, I look forward to talking to you again soon. I look forward to getting this study underway and just want to go ahead and tell you if there's any questions, you know, again, feel free to drop me an email. That email address again is Bible Study Podcast Justin at Gmail dot com. You know, feel free to give me any questions about John, about any other topic you have, whether there's an apologetic question, there's a theological question, and, and, and I'll try to my best to give you an answer that you can understand and learn from, and, and if I don't know it, I'll, I'll try to get my best to do my best to find it and get it to you. So just, just let me know if you need any help, and feel free to email me anytime. But until we meet again, friends, may God bless and keep you.